Welcome back to the Turn the Music Podcast. This is episode three for season two. We are talking about the music lesson. My name is Kyle, and as always, you're joined by CJ. How are you doing tonight, sir? I'm doing all right. I'm I'm excited to continue this uh this discussion, this story that we're going yeah, through. Yeah, me too. And uh I mean I've already gone through it like twenty <laughs> times, but like I'm I'm excited to share it. Right. I no, I agree. I agree with you. Like it's nice to share. So um and this this is chapter three, but it's we call in the book it's called Measure Three, right? Right. This is yeah. Measure Three, which is articulation and duration. Yes. Um, but before we begin, like we yes. typically do, are you listening to anything um, anything different, anything new so on some of the same kick that you've been on for a while? Same kick for the most part. Um, doing the the. Um, the Punch Brothers album still nice, and the uh, of course the Nickel Creek Celebrants I've been listening to a lot lately. Very cool. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. In fact, I was listening to it just this afternoon. It was uh, it was a rough day, um, so I came home and just sat outside and read the book, and then came back inside and listened to Celebrants. So, um, how are you? What are you listening to? Um, I've been a little all over the place. So uh, a little cel- I've been list- I listened to Celebrants. Mm-hmm. Um, the weather's been really warm here, so I've had my windows open while driving. So I've listened to uh, Robert Randolph on the Family Bank because I feel like that's oh, a cool, nice. that's a cool one to play. Yeah. Um, some Punch Brothers. I did listen to the album at work once. Cool. And um, I've been sharing music with my coworker Carmen, and we've been listening to. We were. What did we do last one day? We did um, Sarah Watkins. We listened to Sarah Watkins. Nice, nice. Uh, today she chose. Uh, yesterday she chose Dire Straits. Okay. Uh, which is cool. And then we listened to Joan Osborne today. Oh, nice. Yeah, so a nice group, a change. We're we're having fun with that. We're trying to pick out cool. songs that we like. But uh, yeah. So it's been cool because like at work we've been busy, but it's cool to be able to like listen to some music. So we pop in a headphone. Share mm-hmm. it through Apple Music, and we just we kind of listen. So it's been it's been cool, and and she's playing stuff that I typically don't listen to. So it's nice to to kind of get that var- variety in my my ear as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So yeah, kind of like same things, just not. I'm not sitting on one thing. I'm playing multiple gotcha. things. Yeah, and then I've been listening to the audiobook of this. Cool, yeah. very cool. To kind of get it back in my head. Yeah. And how are things going with you week wise? Everything good. Yeah, besides locking myself out of the car. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. How's the new desk going? You have a new little the, setup the there? The desk is nice. It's it's very wide. I'm not used to so much space. So uh, I'm I'm trying to utilize it the best way without cluttering it up. Mm-hmm. Um, picked up a new monitor. I definitely went with that ultra wide that you have, and I really like it. I think it's like last year's model, but it's still fantastic for what I mm-hmm. need it for. Cool. Um, so I have a third monitor sitting on my desk that I need to put another put an arm on. I, I have the arm. I just got to put it all together. Gotcha. And I think I'm going to connect the Raspberry Pi to it. Nice. Um, I kind of want to set up um, a calendar that pulls all my calendars in one place. Mm-hmm. So when I come into the room, if I'm doing work, I can have the calendar on the monitor at all times off the Raspberry Pi. I just check out backboard. I'm sorry. 
Dakboard, D-A-K-B-O-A-R-D, Dakboard. And you can use that through Raspberry Pi? Yep, I have that running in my kitchen. I think that's what I'm going to do. And uh, It links up with Google Calendar and Google Photos, so you can put photos in the background, and it overlays your calendar on top of it. Oh, nice. Yeah, so that's awesome, because that's something I'll probably... Because I like having that up. Just if I'm doing work, it's nice to kind of just see everything the way it Mm -hmm. needs to be. So that's good. Um, And that's it. So... Cleaning up as I go along now that everything's set up. Cable managing. Cool. Slowly. Nice. <laughs> but, Very nice. Yeah, so it's good. It's I feel like it's finally come together. Good. Yeah. So, That's good. How about you? Because I know we moved some things around. Have you made any more changes? Um, A little bit tonight because, so, I mean, when you left, it was basically live stream set up. Yes. And I really haven't set up, like, the old recording setup yet. Sure. You know, I mean, we did the recording, but like I didn't have a webcam plugged in to the computer. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. I had them on the other, uh, you know, I've got two webcams, but I was trying to use both webcams on the other computer. So I was scrambling to get a webcam and then I've got a potential surprise for this episode um, later on. So if it works, I was setting up other stuff to make things happen. So interesting. When we get to that part of the book, we'll, get there so. oh okay whatever yeah uh-huh <clears throat> so that all being said yes <laughs> segueing into the book into the book articulation I, and duration articulation and duration which you know it's it's funny because this um go ahead you you talk and then we'll we'll go into it so th- this chapter is an interesting one because in in one of our earlier episodes, I talked about one of my out-of-body experiences. I don't think I ever talked about my second one. And my second one happened after I read this chapter. Okay. Ago. Um, so I was singing with a, a church choir, and I was focusing on one of the things, and I'm sure we'll get to it at some point, but at one point Michael says, you know, that, that you need to imagine the life of every note. And... Um, this was a much, a much shorter out of body thing that happened. It was only about three or four seconds. But when I started listening to, you know, or recognizing that each note had like a birth and like a midlife crisis and then a death, you know, something changed in the way I heard the music for, you know, a few seconds. And it was almost what, what I heard was not the choir singing. It was. A much, I mean, it was people singing, but it was not the choir that normally sang. It was a different, okay, different group of people. Okay, and, and like everything was perfectly in tune, and it was just a, a different style. I don't know how to explain it, but it was th- that's what happened. Um, I don't know why it happened, and it, you know, it's like one of those things where like you try to get it back. You know, and we'll get to this part in the meditation um, episode or episode uh, chapter measure whatever where Victor's working on meditation and Michael says, don't try. Oh, it's with, with the rock. That's what it was. Don't try harder, try easy. Right. You know, I, I could never get it back. And you know, the more I tried, the, the less I did it. So, but I, 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 that's one of the things I like about this chapter is, is that, that memory of that, whatever it was, I don't even know what it was at this point. So, well, I mean, and like you said, the chapter is weird because of how he goes about telling this whole thing of articulation and duration and mm-hmm. essence of an element for, for, for music. Yep. Um, and it's funny cause reading this chapter made me realize that I don't meditate anymore. Like I used to, 
I don't either. And I want to actually, because now this room is set up, even though it's not a meditation room, but it's set up in such a way that I can utilize the elements in here to meditate in -hmm. in the office. So I think I'm going to start doing that. And even if it's for 10, 15 minutes, whatever the case may be, just right, to get right. back into that sense of breathing and mm-hmm. and and focusing on one thing versus allowing my head to race and my anxiety take over and whatever else you want to call it. Right. It's you know it's funny because we were talking. It was last month. I had a meeting, and what they want to do at work is these things called lunch and learn. So once a month we get get together and we teach something. And a lot of people have asked me to teach meditation, and I'm going, yeah, I could teach it, but it's like I haven't done it in like a year and a half myself. Like. Should I really be teaching this? I, well, I see. It's funny, and this kind of this chapter talks about it. I th- I think for us, as as musicians, as as those that went through breathing training and exercises, I think if if we we don't consider ourselves master meditation per people, whatever you want to mm-hmm. call them, but we have an element that we had to learn, which was breathing. We had to learn right. a specific breathing technique. We've mm-hmm. learned to breathe diaphragmatically where most people, when they learn to breathe, br- breathe with their upper chest. Mm-hmm. And that whole story about how our lungs are pear-shaped. And when you breathe, uh, take a deep breath from your upper chest, you're actually not getting a deep enough breath. Right. Because you're not filling up your full entire lung. And when I mm-hmm. go to the doctors or whatever, and they're like, take a deep breath. Like, I'm taking a full-on deep breath, bottom, like, I'm not like, <gasps> like, I'm like, like, right. <gasps> <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it takes a while because like, all right, take another deep breath. And just... <laughs> so even though you haven't been doing it, I th- still think you have practices yeah, and, that and, you can and honestly, bring. like the the way I teach meditation has nothing to do with diaphragmatic breathing at all. Right. So I incorporate it into the diaphragmatic breathing because it's mm-hmm. a way of focusing on the breathing. Right. And I read um, the Tao of Voice or whatever it was. I read mm-hmm. there was a book and part of the one of the chapters. All it focused on was how you took your breath in and how you released it. Interesting. And then when you do that, and I'll see if I can find the book and I can find the chapter for next time. But when I you need to look at that book, I think actually, it's, I've, I've it's heard a, people talk about it and I've never read it. Yeah, I'm. I it may still be packed uh, because we're still emptying out some boxes. But if I get I get it, I'll I'll send you a picture of it. But the the idea is that the one there's like at least a chapter just on how you focus on your breathing. Interesting. How you take the breath in, how you release the breath. And I've used that for many of people, not musically, even just those that deal with anxiety and turning off their mind for a moment. Um, and I don't do it enough myself. I mean, I'm an overthinker and I have anxiety. It, it happens. And that's the other reason why I can. I think I connect to this book and you probably do too, is because this there's a lot of mental health in this as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I needed that today. So um not to go out on, on a tangent, but you know, so one of the things that's, that's happening at work recently is, um, so we were at 50%, you know, uh, you know, attendance for work. And then they decided that every second and fourth Thursday, they wanted everyone in the office. And you know, this about me, like I'm not a people person, right? Like, and, and having all those people around me, like, it's just draining. You, you, know? so you are that. a people person, but you, it's when there's too many. Yeah. yeah I get that's that. What it no, is. I get that a hundred percent. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's weird. Cause like I was, I was and, and on top of that, so we have a new head of the company and I had to set up his, his iPhone and his iPad and it's a long, tedious process. And it's one of those processes where if you screw up one step, you have to start all over again. Right. So I was, you know, mentally focused on that. And then 
our our cyber team decided to go out afterwards for like a little get together and like like that freaks me out too it's like being in that group of people it's like i don't want to do that so it was just a long day of just people you know and you know so i needed you know to come home and have a chance to read the book and sit and listen to music which was really good um where was i going with this i don't know (laughs) you need to decompress yeah yeah um so there's a time where you need to decompress you need to get that all out of your head Right. And exactly. we, f- we forget to breathe throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. and sometimes you don't have that moment. Right. To and breathe. today was one of those days where I didn't have that moment. Right. And I was, so here's what I was going to say. I was, you know, when I was, I was talking to a few of the people, you know, at the little get together after work, like I have no problem like performing in front of people, but just the interaction of people, it's like, that stresses me out. You know, I think the biggest crowd I've performed in front of is about 14,000 people. I, I didn't care. I had a microphone up the bell of my French horn, didn't care. Cameras were right in front of me. Whatever, I don't care. You know, but just like interacting with like 10 or 15 people at the same time drains me. I, I can't. That's it's just... that's because the only interaction you have when you're performing is with your instrument. Yeah. And right. you're not and then, talking and to these 14,000 people. Right, yeah. And then and then when I'm home, it's just me and the dogs and it's like, whatever, who cares, you know? Right, and, and, so. and that's the thing. And I think a lot has to do with the fact that, you know, they play the, you know, introvert versus extrovert. Like, I'm an introvert, mm-hmm. extrovert. Going to be yeah. a homebody, rather sit at home. But if I mm-hmm. have to go out, I can do it. But you know what? I'm going to step away at some point. Right. And if the crowd gets too big, sayonara. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like, if, if it's a small group of people that I'm with, I can deal with it. But if it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, it's it's just too much. Do I want to, will I go to a group that has a large, yeah, I'll go. But like, you may see me step away after like a half hour, you know, it's just one of those things. And, you know, friends or family, it doesn't matter. It's just, yeah, there's the, there's an anxiety and it's nothing against the friends and family. No, not at all. It's just that whole moment. Like we spent four days together, but we were the only two people we saw. Right. Except for when your your mom and your sister came and said hello. Yeah. But like, and we know each other well enough, like. To, to 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 handle that but if mm-hmm. there were more people involved in this that whole entire weekend yep i would have been like i gotta step away for a second yep give me the keys to your car i don't care peace <laughs> out i'm <laughs> gone <laughs> give me my hot sauce i'm ready to go <laughs> <laughs> you in that truck <laughs> no I, but I this t- is um but this is also one of my favorite chapters because of of one of the things that happens at the very beginning of the chapter um where where Michael plays two notes at the same time and asks Victor, you know, about it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna try something. I hope it's gonna work. So give me one second to move. How dare you? He walked right, can away. You, can you hear me still? I can still hear you. Can you, you hear me? I can. Cool. Oh, so he can hear me and he still just walked away. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I, I was I was done with you, so I had to leave. So so in the book what what uh, Michael you know does he plays two notes, right? He plays C and C sharp, and he says, "All right, well, how does that sound?" And Victor says, "Well, it's awful, you know." And then he says, "All right, well, well, how does it sound now if I do this?" And he says, "Oh, it sounds kind of cool, because the cool thing is, is that that you know when you take these two notes and you add these, it turns into this really pretty, right? You know, major seventh chord. And what he says is that if you take this note, these these two notes that clash." And you flip them on their side. Because all I do is I take this bottom note and I put it at the top. Actually, I played the wrong note, actually. <laughs> I meant to play these two. <laughs> but you get the point. So I take this bottom note and I move it up here, right? And I keep that this note here. 
and it changes everything. And he talks about how it flips by flipping your perspective, by taking a troubled situation or something that, that doesn't go wrong. If you flip it on his head, head and look at it a different way, you can have a different outcome and see it, see the difference. And this is something we talked about a little bit in our last episode, that yin yang thing. You know, I mentioned right. like you had the beautiful flowers and you have like the ugly dirt and the flowers grow up and the roots grow down. Like it's the same thing here. You have a trouble thing and the, the way to solve it is to flip it on its head and, and change your perspective by moving that bottom note to the top note. And it's the same thing, you know, by by getting a different different perspective. Right. And and that's where and I think that's where your day kind of bleeds into this chapter, because that's where he says and, and this is what. Victor Wooten says in response to kind of explain it, he goes, if we can learn to change our perspective and see negative things in a different octave, in quotes, we may be able to see the beauty in all things and in all situations. Exactly. And it's, it's that life lesson that you're talking about, because we, like you said, we are, and then he continues to say, there's a lot of life lessons in music. So, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's that thing where, we have the anxiety to go out with this group. And if we could just find a, a moment in that anxiety or in that situation, it can change your perspective on it. So maybe you go right. somewhere and you listen to the music that's playing in the background and you tune everybody out. Mm-hmm. Right. And I know we're going to talk a little bit more about tuning things out and focusing on things. Cause it does talk about that in this book. It does. Yeah. In this chapter, actually. Um, yeah. It, it, it's, it's your mindset on a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And we're taught as we're growing up to take things for what they are. Right. We're not taught to look at them differently. Right. Like, you know, I, I don't know if you remember this a long time ago when we were talking and we, we like start as we were building our friendship and I, and we were designed, I was designing something and I turned around to you. I was like, well, I could take a line and I can make something work with a line, a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. And you're like, yeah, no, I can't do that. Like, I can't, yeah. you know, if I put a line in a piece of paper, like, if I see a line in a piece of paper, whatever direction it's going, I'm like, all right, I could draw for this. I can make it out. Mm-hmm. And I remember you saying, yeah, that's not going to happen. I'm not doing that. Yeah. And it's it's that whole thing. But I think as we've gotten older, your perspective has changed. Mm-hmm. And I think even for you, if I put a line in front of you, you could be like, okay, yeah, I can totally see that. Yeah. You may relate it to music. You may relate it to something else. You may relate right. it to cooking because you enjoy cooking and barbecue. Mm-hmm. Like, there's these things. And... And that's that. That's this. That quote stood out to me. So I think it's great that you actually played it and and did it that way. That's awesome. Yeah. So, and that. And for those of you with perfect pitch, when I played it wrong, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> How dare you? How dare I? I fixed it though. I well, did fix did, it. I massaged the note to the right note eventually, when right. I realized I was dumb and played the wrong note. Right. Um, Uh, this so so they they mentioned the second book in this have you ever read the second book they mentioned the spirit of music no they mentioned a different book oh a different book in it yeah oh i thought you said how did he know (laughs) (laughs) you um, have you have you read the other book no i thought about it i bought it and i started reading it and then i lost it i don't know what happened to it is it in a bag uh, falling off the chair (laughs) like in the book (laughs) It's a track. It might be. It's and we haven't gotten to that point yet, have no, we? No, we haven't. No. So, um, but to continue what we were talking about, um, you know, after he explains that whole thing at the bottom, 
he goes, all situations and all people contain beauty, but it is up to us to see it. When we don't see it, our immediate response is to blame, then change our outer thing rather than change our perspective or our octave, which mm-hmm. is what we were talking about. And I think yep. this is a pr- very profound chapter. It is. I think this is yep. like, it's so early in the book, but it's it's like that point where Victor's like, oh, right. there's more to this guy than just... Mm-hmm. Than what's going on? Yeah, and and the, I, I've mentioned it before. The Victor's commencement speech that he did, um, you know, he talks a little, you know, a little bit differently about it. You know, he says that you know he drove into Massachusetts for this you know thing, and he said, if I drive into Massachusetts and someone cuts me off immediately, you know, my initial thought might be everyone who drives in Massachusetts just doesn't know how to drive, or maybe I just encounter the one person who's having a bad day, and something's going on with them. And I should give them, you know, the grace and just realize that there are a lot of other people that are driving that did not actually try to hit me, you know? Right. It's And it's funny because when I worked at Universal Studios, we were taught a certain service. And you're taught that if you're 10 feet away from somebody when you're in your outfit, you smile at them, you know? If they, especially if they see you. And if you're five mm-hmm. feet away, you say hello, right? Because it's a part of being a, a that way. The other thing we're taught is that if you're at your ride and Mm -hmm. the guest comes up and they're in a bad mood you don't know why they're in a bad mood right you don't know if it was from an interaction from the previous ride you don't know if they had bad news you don't know what the case may be and it's your it's at that moment where you have the opportunity to turn that person's day around Mm -hmm. you know and and it was it's very interesting because all it was was training to just handle guests at a theme park but it's almost a little profound to to say it, and even Apple has that in their training. I'm not going to yeah. talk about their training, but they, it talks about how we don't know where these customers are coming from and why they're angry, mm-hmm. right? But we do know that they're coming here because they have a problem with their device, right? Because if you're working in that that section, and mm-hmm. it's our it's that that opportunity to change it. Sometimes it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong, but a lot of times, if you listen correctly, which they talk about listening a lot, mm-hmm. if you listen to the person, you can kind of turn that moment around for them yeah and one of the things that they they drilled into me when i went went for my training was find a way to say yes right that was you know and that's i mean that's kind of what we're talking about is you know flipping the perspective of the problem to find a way to solve it you know exactly so that's a lot right in the beginning of this book yeah there's a lot there is a lot in this book i mean (laughs) and like and like you said, people could learn a life lesson from music if they would mm-hmm. just choose to see. Yep. We we don't sometimes. We don't just see. Yep. So that leads me into the next thing that I think is hysterical because I got in trouble for this once. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know what you have before I go into this. No, go for it. So I, I don't know if you remember me telling you, I may, may have been in, in one of the previous episodes where I was taking a theory course and I kept questioning everything, mm-hmm. right? So um, in this, uh, Victor says that Michael told me that once the rules were thoroughly learned, they could be thoroughly broken. broken. Mm-hmm. He said that the same was true with life's rules. Now, of, call, of course, all legality issues aside, because you don't want to do anything legally, though. <laughs> right. But... The the concept of I that I always questioned everything in theory class and eventually my professor's like, listen, this is like after class, she's like, 
you need to learn the rules. She goes, you're absolutely mm-hmm. right. Everything can be broken. You don't have to do it this way. It's blah, 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 blah. Like she went into all this stuff. She's like, but just get through the class. <laughs> like, <laughs> But it's, it's one of those things. But she wasn't like upset that I was asking questions because she said that I was asking good questions in relation to everything. But it's true because we're taught in society how to handle things. But as soon as you try to handle it a different way or change the perspective of how you're handling it, you're breaking life's rules. Right. You know? Yeah, and I, I heard a story, you know, similar where I think it was Debussy. And I don't know if the story is true or not, or but he was going through theory and one of his exams, he wrote or what, what became um, the engulfed cathedral. And it was like his his final in theory and you know he wrote you know at the end of the piece he wrote i understand all the theory rules i broke every single one and handed it in you know there's parallel fourths and fifths and right. all over the place and right you know so well it's yeah, like picasso you understand them you can break them yeah it's exactly. like picasso picasso was a brilliant painter and could do portraits like crazy and said well i don't really have to do this and i'm going to do it my way mm-hmm. and develop this amazing abstract way of painting portraits that become became his his you know his thing like that's what people right. knew him at and so it's mm-hmm. it's interesting and um yeah. yeah and then there's a line after that but i'm gonna let you go because i don't know what if you have anything on that same page um is it there is always beauty to be found and it is necessary to find it in all things and in all people yes and i'm in that same paragraph so further down yeah. Yeah, it is always easier to build upon the yes. beauty than, than it is to pretend it is not there. Let's let's actually read that because instead of stumbling over, no, I agree with it you. Is, it is always easier to build upon this beauty than it is to pretend it is not there and try to create it from scratch. That's and and he says, Victor says that is a comment I will never forget. Mm-hmm. That's a comment I will never forget. Yeah, I mean, it is so true. Mm-hmm. It is really so true. And I, I think that's the uniqueness of, it's like going into a house that you purchased. Mm-hmm. You could buy a brand new home that looks gorgeous, Yep. right? But you're still going to go in there and modify it to make it look the way you want it to look. Right. Or you can buy a home that needs work, look at it and go, this is going to be beautiful and I can make this work. Mm-hmm. Right? And essentially, and I- yeah. I would say I had a similar situation because, you know, I just moved into this house right. um, about a year ago. Is it a year? Yeah, I think it's a year. And, um, you know, I remember sitting here the first night I, I moved in and I was sitting in my bedroom going, this room is like half the size of my other bedroom. The bathroom is like a third of the size. The kitchen's way too small. The living room's smaller. Like, what did I do this for? <laughs> like, <laughs> I spent more money. The house is... It feels smaller. Like, like, what did I do? You know? And then I started realizing, like, there's so much more to this house. And I like it so much more. Like, the layout in the other house was better because there's one floor I liked it better. But whatever. Other than that, like, there's so much more that I can do here, which I enjoy. And you have, and, and, you know, it's funny walking. I love it. I think you have mm-hmm. such a great layout. And I get what you're saying. But how often you, you know, like, you're in your bedroom to sleep and take a shower and right. do whatever exactly. you're done, right? Yep. You know, your office is a beautiful size for what you're doing. Mm-hmm. But that room downstairs where you have the fireplace oh, and we that's watched. That's awesome. That's a great room. And that's room. like the one thing, that's like the one thing where I gained space was that room in the dining room. And it was yeah. like, I did all this for a living room, for, for a dining room <laughs> and a fireplace. Like, like there's a lot more to it. I, was, I had issues with my HOA, but like, you know, the first night I was like, 
what did I do? No, yeah, you know? I get it. I get it. But I think I think it's a and your backyard is great, especially for yeah. your dogs. Like oh yeah. The, the space that you have back there. It's a, gonna be it's a pain in the butt to mow, I'm sure, but yeah. and, and and this <laughs> the first mow was really rough. It yeah. was so so long and so wet. Yeah. That it took me like three times as long, and I was like, oh, never gonna. I was getting like these little like slivers of grass, and it was still jamming the mower. And yeah. I was like, oh, this is never gonna end. So that's funny. Yeah. Oh, this is I skip a page or two. I don't know if you have anything going on. I I, I just I, I mean the next page is is you know kind of I don't want to say this is where I got it from because I thought about this long before I read this book. Um, but the whole bluegrass stuff that he talks about where. Where Michael pulls out the bluegrass CD right. and makes him listen to it, you know, and and you know, Victor says, "I hate bluegrass music." And then, lo and behold, a few years later, this bluegrass banjo player calls him and says, "Hey, you want to play in a band?" <laughs> and like, like that's what made Victor like yeah. famous is playing with this this bluegrass jazz band. Yeah. And I remember, you know, back in college when you know it was a saxophonist that you and I both know, you know. He came to me in my car one day and said, I want you to listen to the CD. It's bluegrass jazz. They went, absolutely not. Get it out of my sight. I don't want to listen to it. And here I am. Like, like we're, now we're, we're doing an entire season about one of the guys in that group. The only thing I've listened to in probably the last month is bluegrass. Like, right. I mean, had I had I ignored him saying that, like, where would I be? You know? I know. I, it's funny. And, and, you know, I don't listen to country. And that's not mm-hmm. me putting country down. I just don't listen to country. It's just one of those genre, I'm going to use the word genres of music I don't listen to. Mm-hmm. It's nothing against them. Nothing against it. It's just not my cup of tea. But right. I I agree with you. I've been sitting here. We listen to bluegrass and, Ameri- and Americana folk, which is mm-hmm. essentially an offshoot of bluegrass. Yeah. But everything we listen to or we talk about has been offshoots of bluegrass. <laughs> I know. And it's it's amazing, and and I, you know, like I I put this song on that I talk about in here the um, the uh, uh, what is it Blue Moon of Kentucky by Bill Monroe, mm-hmm. like I put it on to listen to it, and I mean it's 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 what nineteen fifty sixties I think maybe yeah, further back right. right I mean it's bluegrass it's it's twangy banjo mm-hmm. playing yep. but it's just okay yeah no I get it now like it's just. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And on the next page, you know, he said, you know, Michael says to Victor, he says, listen to what you're saying. I hate bluegrass music. You're talking about you, but blaming your lack of perception on this particular style of music. That's exactly what I was going to. That was the quote that I had written down, too. I agree. With that. that is so true. Mm-hmm. And then he takes it even further. Later on, he says, we do the same thing with people. All music like people contains beauty and a soul for you to not recognize it's mu- it's not music's fault. It is you we are talking about. It is you who does not recognize. There are millions of people who love music, who love this music. Are you here to tell me that all those people are wrong? Right. And I think, I mean, that goes back to, you know, what's going on in the world. You know, there are so many people who think it's just about them and they're not realizing that there are like other people and there are different ways to look at things. And Well, it's everything's perception. Right. Exactly. Like, you know, meeting somebody new you you always get your first take on the person, right? Mm-hmm. I I've been told by many people that I read people very well, so my first impression mm-hmm. is usually pretty much the correct impression. Yep. But as I've gotten older, you know, I don't want to live by that. You know, mm-hmm. I don't want to go by first impressions. So, mm-hmm. you know, I met somebody new the other day, and I had this impression that they were like this, or they were a little fake, or whatever. And then as mm-hmm. I got to talk to them. 
they're nice. They're a good person, you know, and it could have yeah. been their anxiety of the first time meeting people. It could have been yeah. whatever the case may have been. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and that could have been the reason why it felt that way. And, yep. and then as you get to know the person, you're like, okay, my first impression is wrong, mm-hmm. you know? And, and if, if, if I get to know and my first impression is correct, fine. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. it's, but it's true. It's all perception. Yeah. It's funny because I had a similar situation just recently. We had, I was mentioning that another guy started at work and, uh, you know, he's, he's the head of our, our, our company now. And, you know, so I, I met him to set up his laptop a couple of days ago. And, uh, one, uh, one of our, my friends asked me, so, so what does he like? I, so I gave him my, my description and today he actually gave a presentation and I walked over, I said, was I right? She goes, yep, absolutely. hundred <laughs> percent. So I was like, all right, cool. And I, I had only met him for like 45 seconds or so. Right. And I was able to form like that. And then he spoke for an hour and then. Well, you know. and I think that's part of what makes certain things difficult for us when we go out into groups because we see the people for who they really are. Right. We right. can and see I, past what their facade is in a sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And because some people put it up, some people will walls up. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. But we have a tendency to see past that. And we, yep. as friends, and we have other friends of the same way that can see past that. And it, yeah. it makes for sometimes... Sometimes it makes for a great situation because you get to know mm-hmm. the person differently, but sometimes it makes right. for a little difficult or uncomfortable situation because you're just exactly. like, this is not feeling right to me. Yeah. And, and, and Ron Mikesell and I talked about this during our lessons, you know, you know, he, 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 one day he just said to me, he said, you read energy really, really well. Right. He said, you're not, you're not seeing the person you're reading their energy. Yep. You're forming your impression based on what you're reading in their energy. And I was like, yeah, it's probably true. It's true. So. I'm, I, we, you and I are very similar. I mean, and it's funny because we've never really talked about this stuff until we right. started doing the podcast. Mm-hmm. And we learned, or we both learned over the year and a half that we're very similar in that sense. Right. Which right. is part of the reason why we get along so well and beat mm-hmm. each other up at the same time. Exactly. <laughs> um, and so you read that, which is exactly because I was, I was going to bring up perception is everything, which we talked about. Mm-hmm. And then I think this leads into the life of the notes. Yeah. Which I think is such a crazy thing. Yep. And so he states, did I highlight this or did I miss it? Okay. So he states that uh, Michael talks about how in bluegrass, the, the, the plane of the note is what gives the music the feel Right. That it has. And he states at the bottom of this page, listen to the so, way yeah, he... Ad- but before you get there, so just let, let, yeah, yeah, let's no, talk about it. So he, he yeah, talks to, to Victor about, he wants Victor to listen to the bass part. And, you right. Know, Victor says, oh, right, it's, right. you know, it's really easy. It's just, you know, it's the one chord, the five chord, the one chord, right. the four chord, whatever. I'm just playing ball, 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 ball. That's, that's all it is. He says, no, it's really not. It's the way he's playing that. Now you can continue. No, no, you're absolutely right. I'm glad you prefaced with that. And he says, listen to the way he attacks each note. And notice whether the notes are long, short, or in between. Recognize the life of each note. Mm-hmm. Now, I approach this as I you don't consider yourself a vocalist. Right. I know you don't, but I do know that you sing. Mm-hmm. Um, I consider myself a vocalist more than I consider myself an instrumentalist, even though I do play, um, you know, saxophone and a few instruments. As a vocalist. I truly see this and understand that because each note plays a factor on how you interpret it, the song and the word mm-hmm. never connected it to playing an instrument. 
Interesting. Right? I never really thought about that. And it wasn't really until I got into a lesson with my high school private lesson teacher that I started connecting it, which is where he started talking about you need to sing the note into the horn, which is then mm-hmm. you said that when we went to see Joe Bonamassa, I said the same thing. He made the guitar sing. So it took me a long time to take the concept of what I understood as a singer Mm -hmm. to approach it to instrumental playing. Right. And I remember there was, in in high school, my my choir director, he would always say, the louder you sing, the longer your note needs to be. You know, because the tendency is, is that when when you sing loud, you shorten the note, whether it's because you're thinking accent or whether you're thinking... Or whether it's just bad breath support, you just you're you're accenting and using too much air, so you can't support the note properly. So he would always say the la- the, lo- the louder you sing, the longer the note needs to be to make it more legato and to connect it more. And I, that goes back to the duration stuff. That's very and interesting. That, you know, we we talk about he talks a little bit more when we get to the, you know, the field. But you know, I'm sorry. No, no, it's very interesting. I never, you know, it's a very interesting way of of approaching that because it's very true. Mm-hmm. We have a tendency to hit the loud notes and go boom, and we're done. Yep. We don't give them life essentially, yeah. and we don't give them exactly. that life, right? Yep. Which I think is funny because then he talks about Horton hears a who. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Um. Then and so after he talks about Horton hears a who, because of the whole idea of a civilization, a civilization living on that little piece of, of whatever it was, you know. Um, yep. He's uh, Michael says notes are the same. If you listen closely, you can find a whole world living inside each note. Notes are alive. And like you and me, they need to breathe. Yep. And that, that I was like, oh. as a singer, I was like, yes, that makes so much sense. As mm-hmm. an instrumentalist, I was like, really? <laughs> yep. <laughs> it, it does. It, 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 it totally throws my and I, I I try my best to take what I know as a vocalist as a singer to when I play an instrument. I really do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I do too. And and it's weird because you know, like I I played, I played a wind instrument that didn't breathe. Right. You know, the organ is a wind instrument that doesn't need right. to take a breath. It's got that can, that constant airflow. But when you're accompanying a congregation, you need to breathe with the congregation to lead them. You know, otherwise I can keep just, I can just keep playing and I can, I can lead a congregation to not breathe through an entire hymn if I wanted to. Right. Or I can give them a chance to breathe. So when, as I was learning to play the organ, I had to take into account, like, like I know how the hymn's supposed to sound in my head and I know well, like joy to the, joy to the world. But it's a song. (laughs) I know there's, (laughs) there are a couple hymns, um, where, where they, some denominations take a break at certain spots of the hymn and other denominations don't they just go right okay through. i see what you're so saying. it's like trying to figure out like like trying to navigate that situation and being an organist that does a lot of sub work like you might walk in and not know what the congregation is going to do and right it's like, well, right how do i navigate this situation because if they do something that i didn't do it's very obvious oh you know? of course yeah that makes so, sense yeah and i always and i mean going back to what we we're talking about before like like playing in front of a group like screwing up in front of a group like i don't care i've done it before i'll do it again whatever it's not the end of the world to me but whatever so well and that's i think that's part of like learning to play through the mistake or accepting the fact that mistakes are going to happen because if you go into it doing your best not to make a mistake you're going to make a mistake anyway Mm -hmm. because you're just going to be overthinking it yep um and then he says breathe with the music uh, on the next page he says he says breathing with the music caused me to hear it and feel it in a way i never had before 
I could actually feel the notes mixing with my heartbeat. It was like a meditation. I don't know if it was my slow rhythmic breathing or what, but whatever it was, he helped me to begin to understand Mr. Monroe's music for the first time. And I hate to say it, but I liked it. And that's kind of what I felt that day when I started listening. It was just this weird feeling. I don't know how to explain it, but it happened and it stopped. No, it's true. And, and, it's funny because I don't know. You probably agree with this. When I play or when I sing, it's a form of meditation. Mm-hmm. Because your focus is taken away from everything else that's going on around you. And it's put on what you're doing, which is right. creating music, yep. playing music, sharing music, whatever whatever it is you want to say. You know? Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, that was I I, underline, I think I'm gonna highlight that one too. <laughs> yeah. So last last week I, I mentioned that piano that was back in that church in Fort Salonga that I like to play that yes. I really had a connection with. Yeah. <clears throat> so one of the things that I would do is before the service started, like 15, 20 minutes, sometimes even a half hour, I just sit there. The church would be empty, and I would just sit there and just start improvising. And then you know, like I would just play, and then usually what would happen is someone would kind of tap me on the shoulder, I'm like, "All right, it's time to start the service." And I'd look, I go. Oh my God, there's like 200 people here now. <laughs> they weren't here when I started. <laughs> you know, I just get lost in that, you know, having the conversation with the instrument and just playing and just, you know, not knowing what's going to come out. And so it, you get into, you get into what he says, the groove mm-hmm. and you zone out to that groove and you just go and it doesn't matter yep. what's going on around you environmentally because you're there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. So this leads into the book. Yes. Yeah, so Michael leaves for the day and leaves his bag, and Victor finds this book. And it's called The Science and Art of Tracking by Tom Brown Jr. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious about it now because I think I want to read it. And I'm wondering if it's on an audiobook form because maybe I'll do that. I, I don't remember. I know I had a hard time finding it. I don't think it's on Amazon Kindle, um, which is weird. Well, you know what? Right. If I have to buy a copy of it, it doesn't bother me. But it's yeah, interesting. And I, like like the, my library didn't have it, and you know, and Tom Brown Jr. has got some other really good books that I started reading. Um, the Awakening Spirit, um, Grandfather's another one. So is it um, like a? Is it? I mean, I'm saying that there's no science. Like I'm not saying it doesn't talk about tracking, but is it like the Zen in the art of archery type book? A little bit. Okay. So so he's Tom Brown is related to to a Native American tribe and. Um, his grandfather, you know, taught him about the way the tribe did things and, okay, you know, there's a spiritual journey with, you know, in the awakening spirit talks about the, that spiritual journey. I think the book, the grandfather talks about like the lessons that he learned from his grandfather. Now I want to know, you know more. <laughs> yeah. There's, so it's, it's the, the three that I had were, I have two of them still, I think, I think two of them are in my, my bookcase back there, but it's awakening spirits, grandfather and the, the science and art of tracking. All by Tom Brown Jr. I'm totally um, taking a picture of the page right now, so the picture is in front of me with his name. Yeah. So I can uh, and and I I you know Victor runs these base camps down in Nashville, and he has actually brought Tom Brown into those base nature camps to teach tracking at these nature camps. I want to go to that so bad. I do too. And I'm not he a just, bassist. <laughs> well, he's got a lot of them. He's got all instrumentalists. He's got like music theory camp. He's got just a jam camp. Like, it's, is, whole, is it all ages? It's all ages, yeah. Oh, uh, maybe we should just it's expensive, go. but it's you know, 
Yeah, but it's like one it's like time $5,000 for two weeks, I think $6,000. But does that 5, include, 000. is it include everything? Food? I believe it does. Yeah. He's got like a chef there. He's got room and board and you know, what sort of stuff. See, so. then it may be like, if you right. really break down the price it's probably worth it. Yeah. Um, then I haven't taken a vacation anywhere. And God, I don't even know. If, if you have $5,000 to spare. Mm. <laughs> I don't have two weeks to spare is the problem. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, so there's a lot of like back and forth with him wanting to go take mm-hmm. the book and should he read it or not read it. And then Michael decides to uh, bombard him at yep. 5 a.m. in the morning, which is a ridiculous hour for a musician. Yeah, but my dogs are up at 5 o'clock. No, morning, no, I so. know. No, I understand what I'm saying. And they didn't wake you up while you were here. I was surprised. Not really, No. So they yeah, waited they for up. me outside the door when they heard that I got up. Yeah. Which was yeah, fine. But they were up at five every morning. And no, I no. And go back to bed until 6.45 and then we wait for you. And Yeah, they weren't, they weren't bad. Um, yeah. And th- so I don't know if you have anything that you feel stood out as they- Nothing s- until page 72. Yeah, that's kind of where I got to. Like they talk about the the areas that they're in, the the, mm-hmm. the trees the the and all that right. stuff in the ground. And then I- I get to about, actually, there is something on page 65 that I think stood out to me. And and if, if you don't mind, I want to. Uh, no, go for it. So there's a thing that he says, every time you move and every time you play a note, a piece of yourself is left behind. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that is really profound. Yeah. And I never thought about that. And it made me think back to my recital in college and how mm-hmm. everybody was like, oh, that's amazing. I'm never going to forget this, blah, 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 blah. And I'm sitting here going, I'm like, that's leaving a piece of yourself behind. Yeah. You know, whether they forgot it or not, it is, it is what it is. But mm-hmm. at that moment, it was something that stood out to them. And it's yeah. true. You remember things. Like one of the best things that I remember is going to Joe Bonamassa with you. Mm-hmm. That was a great freaking evening. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like we had a great time. We talked about the music, the theremin, the the way he played. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, we we all that it was three of us, we all had a great mm-hmm. time. Yeah. So Yeah, and I think we I brought it up it was either the first or second episode of the season. Um again, going back to that we have I I think we might need to watch the the commencement speech at one of these live streams. Um That's a great idea. Just, you know, it's really good, but he says um you know that everything is a vibration and once something starts vibrating, it never stops. So right. anything that you do, whether it be a thought, a, 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 a phrase that you say, anything you do is a vibration and it never stops vibrating. So it's always there. So it makes you think, are you putting the right vibrations into the world? Right. You know? And that, and and I know for me, that was something that I always tried to work on internally mm-hmm. to put the right vibrations out into the world. So there's one more thing on that page I do want to read and then we can jump mm-hmm. ahead because then, like you said, it's kind of gets... He says, the tracker can tell what the creator of the tracks was thinking, feeling, doing, and more. A good musician should be able to do the same. To -hmm. learn how to do that takes time, dedication, intuition. But since you can read music already, it should come to you easily. Yep. And it's very true because part of what we learned going through our studies is that is how do you interpret this? So even though it's written a certain way on the page or the words are a certain way or whatever... 
we're still going to interpret it a certain mm-hmm. way. We may follow some of the guidance and the directions that are there, but we're still going to interpret these phrases differently. Yep. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons that I liked accompanying Rachel so much. You know, it was it was it was just easy to accompany her because I knew what she was going to do, whether she knew it or not. And I, I know she'll say that she didn't know it, but she told me what she was going to do musically, and I just did what she told me to do. So. Well, it's like you talked about Harry Connick Jr. and how this was, I think, on a live a live show. You talked about how he was playing for like a daytime show and the people mm-hmm. were clapping on one and three. Yep, and he jumped into, into a, a, a measure of five to get them to, be, to clap on two and four. Yep. And it's funny because not maybe a few days ago, I was scrolling through social media and that video came up. And someone <laughs> And someone actually... You know, close captioned it and marked what yeah, he did. All this it stuff was probably a George Collier video. And and I'm sitting here going, I remember you talking about it and going, I didn't see it. And now that I heard it, I'm like, that's just impressive. And that's that same idea. It's yeah, right. Um, I know you said you jumped to 72. I have one thing on 70. Go for it. So, um, they were talking about how the animals and stuff like that. And and Michael goes, what we can't see, but know is there is usually called what? And Victor says spirit. Exactly. Spirit, the sensed, but unseen music is the same. Can you see music? No, then it is really, then what is it really? And then he talks about music being spiritual. And I truly believe this. I mean, you believe this. I know you believe this as well. Um, I think music is spiritual. I Absolutely. think there's there's more to it. And I know we joke that this is like our Bible, but mm-hmm. the more I read this, the more I realize that this is kind of like how I see things and how I want to be seen and how I want right. to see things. Yep. And then that goes forward and yeah, no, so that that's all that. So that that is what I wanted to share on that page. So music is spiritual. Yeah. Yep. So um, that jumps me to 72. So I'm wondering where you go with this. Um, the line is music is a doorway allowing one to peek into one's person, one person's spirit into a person's spirit. Yes, that's exactly. I did. I underlined the exact same. And, and I can tell you that I learn more about people by performing with them than I do by talking to them. A hundred percent. Cause the energy because mm-hmm. you read energy so well they're performing and they're using that energy to put that music out there yep and i didn't realize this until um until my father passed away in, in high school um and so i sang in the choir for a full year and then the start of the next year it was september when he passed and the amount of people that called me that i had never talked to you know barely knew their name just to make sure i was okay like that was it was a cool thing you know but it was just that because we had performed together. It's just what we did. You know, it was just a big family. It was, it was kind of cool. Well, you build that. Like my, when my grandfather passed away, my first grandfather passed away when he passed, he passed away young for our family. He was the opera singer. He sang in the Met for 40 years. There were mm-hmm. people coming to his funeral, to his wake. They're like, I never met him in person, but because I performed with groups that knew him, I had to come here and pay my respects. Because mm-hmm. you build this community and everything like that. And that was one of the things that I took out of that, out of his passing and hearing that, was trying to make an impact and, and be impactful in people's lives where you put that vibration out that that want to come back. And it's really funny because 
I was like, am I ever going to do this? Am I ever going to see this or ever know this or feel this? And mm-hmm. I worked at Universal for one year and I, they knew me as CJ down there, as you know me as CJ on here. And um, I still don't know you as CJ on here. No, no. Just, and and he, you're, you're still Chris and no, no, so. no, <laughs> <laughs> and, and he goes, um, and I go down to visit and I'm sitting with some people and they're like, oh, you're the CJ I heard about. Oh, my God. It's so great to meet you. I've heard so many. And I'm sitting here going, really? Like, it was such a weird thing to happen mm-hmm. to, to know that I impacted someone's life that I never met before. Right. And 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 it was like, okay, so maybe maybe I am doing something right. Maybe I am putting the right vibrations out there. So that's exactly what happened is you put that right vibrations out there. So even though you don't speak to these people or haven't mm-hmm. spoken to these people, the fact that they're vibra- they know your vibration, your right. vibration shifted and they're like, we got to check in. Yep. Like, how crazy is that? Mm-hmm. Um, I Do you have more on that page? Because I have stuff on 73 that I like to share. I have stuff on 73 too. So I just did one. You go for it. No, no, go, 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 go. No, no, you. I, I was went. talking a lot before that. That's what I'm saying. Go. Oh. Um, the last thing I have is is this line. Beauty is invisible, individual, and intangible. Interesting, isn't it? It is something you know, yet technically it is not there. How can this be? Like music, it lives inside you, and you impress its qualities on whatever you choose. That is exactly what I had underlined. The only thing I have different is just above it, which led into that. Go says, beauty is something you experience, not something you prove. Mm-hmm. And I think that goes to what we're saying is that we're not looking at the person and saying they're beautiful because of how they're looking at us. Mm-hmm. We're saying that because of who they are on the inside and how that exerts itself out to the public. Right. You know, and I, and yeah, that, that line that you said, I, I, I actually wrote this because I'm you're, I know you're writing in your book and I'm writing in my book as well, but I know I, no one's going to see this, but I'm showing you, like, I'm writing stuff in this book, which I don't know if you remember me having. Mm-hmm. Yep, and, like, those three words, I wrote invisible, individual, intangible. I was like, mm-hmm. that is a huge, like, thing. Yep. So, I yeah. Um, and, I mean, it goes on to say, beauty is truth, truth, beauty. That is easily understandable. Mm-hmm. It's true. Yep. It's very, very true. And um, I, I did grab on the last page of this chapter um, because they were in this place. They were standing around these rocks that were mm-hmm. put there by native Americans, no matter how, no, however many years ago. And they say, if this place is beautiful and beauty is invisible, then what is this place? A spiritual place. Yep. And thank you. Now we can go. Right. And I'm sitting here going, <laughs> I'm like, that's so true. Mm hmm. So if that's the case, you can make a spiritual place anywhere. Yep. Anywhere. This is this this chapter, even though it didn't feel like it, was like you said, a very impactful trap chapter yep. or measure. And, I should and, say. I mean, just to go back to what you just said. I mean, not to get religious, but one of the things, one of the quotes in the Bible that that you know I've, I've heard a lot through my life um, is uh, a quote that goes, "Where one and two are gathered, God Himself is there." Meaning, like you don't need to be in a church. You don't need to be. You know, it's it's about you and your connection so and i have to say for someone who um probably read through the bible once in my life and not Mm -hmm. really read it but just kind of skimmed through it right um 
that line, that wording, that phrase, whatever you want to call it, came, that came out of it, stuck with mm-hmm. me. And then I had someone, a pastor, say that to me, a pastor of a church who needs to bring a congregation in in order to make a living out of working at this church. Mm-hmm. He said that to me. And then, like, multiple people have said that to me. And it's it's so true. I, I Whatever your belief is, if two or more of you have that belief, whether it be Mother Nature, whether it be God, whatever it may be, it's there. Right. It's there. And I think that's what makes music so amazing. Because as a soloist, you're playing your instrument, which you and Rachel have said on her interview podcast that and i need to start doing that myself even for my voice you mm-hmm. thanked your instrument yep so does that make you two people or more i don't know well i mean technically the instrument is alive so. yep so the only difference is is that you as it as the instrumentalist is putting life through that horn mm-hmm. and you're yep. you're physically breathing life into that horn right yep. so you just created that spiritual moment with that instrument Mm-hmm. And then we go and perform with a group of singers or a group of instrumentalists, and now you have a, that congregation. Right. That's crazy. It's yep. such. This book is just. Uh, I can't. I'm probably going to read through this book, read through the next one, and then I'm going to probably read them again. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm going to just mark a calendar, mark a, a point in every year, and just be like, read these books. Yeah. As a reminder. It's just. They're, it's really, it's so well put together. Mm-hmm. And I look forward to going into chapter four and sharing that next week. Yep. Or the week after, whatever we are. Wherever we are. Whatever. It's We're, whatever. Measure four. It's just coming measure out to measure four. three. Technique. So, um, yeah. So, what? A, this was a good one. I think they're just going to get better. <laughs> yeah. Because it's just going to all come together. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have any more to say. I don't either. I just I want to thank everybody who's been you know listening along, and mm-hmm. if you haven't bought the book, buy the book, enjoy it. You know, if you want to read it before the, the measures come out, take it measure by measure. Mm-hmm. Please do, because uh, you know that'll just help you understand and acknowledge what we're talking about. If not, I, I'm glad you're listening and taking what you are out of it. Um. And every after every episode that comes out, uh, which is every Tuesday, we go live on Sunday. Kyle goes mm-hmm. live on Friday on Twitch, so please join us. And uh, yeah, I don't I don't want to muddle any more into this. Yeah, I think uh, I think we just say thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Yeah, and you enjoy reading the closing. I will. Oh, great! That's awesome. Right. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Turn on the Music podcast. We hope that you join us next week. Click on the link tree in our show notes to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our Twitch and YouTube channel. If you would like to continue the conversation, join us on our Discord. If you like what you heard, please share it with a friend. And if you really want to help us promote the show, head over to Apple Podcasts or the podcast service of your choice and give us a five-star rating. Remember, always share the music. Thank you.